0: Good morning listeners and you're welcome to this week's Ag Report. I'm Jim Finn. Now later on in the programme I will be talking to Cahill O'Donoghue who used to be with Chagas years ago and is now lecturing in UCG. I will also be talking to Alan Moore and Alan will be telling us about hedgerows. And my final guest this morning will be Shane Carney whom I met at the Village Market in Holy Cross. But my first guest this morning is Joe Mahan, and Joe is with Chagas, and Joe and I are going to talk about, number one, a discussion group, a very special discussion group, and uh, the second topic we're going to cover this morning is going to be the Green shirt. Good morning, Joe, and thanks very much for joining us.
1: Good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay. Uh, How are things?
1: Things are going well, yeah. yeah. All's
0: good. Good, all oh, good. That's great, and uh, at least the weather isn't too bad yet, but there's a bit to no, come. I'm
1: sure, sure that's it, yeah. We'll ho- hopefully get to the end of the month, however, anyway, <laughs> if, a, if the rain can stay away yeah, to, well, to a certain extent.
0: Yeah, and grass is still growing a bit. There's still a bit of heat in that's the ground.
1: That's it. Yeah.
0: There is, yeah. Okay, Joe, Talk now I said there at the beginning you were going to, t- to talk to me about a very special discussion group.
1: Yeah, so... Look, Jim, we're after setting up this discussion group in the region um, early in the spring. In the, well, later on in the springtime, we started it up. Um, it's a ladies' discussion group, um, and they're known as the Premier Ladies. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the whole base behind this group was to ha- have a group there for women in the region. That suppose maybe when they're not as used to being involved in discussion groups, it's nearly a, a bit of a breakthrough group for them um, mm-hmm. just to get involved in the whole I suppose setting of a discussion group and it's working very well. We've had a few um, meetings already and uh, it's been great feedback with it too. So really enjoying it at, at the moment and it's a, a great start and hopefully it will continue to drive on.
0: And Joe, what kind of subjects do you discuss?
1: So look, I suppose in, in, in essence it's similar enough to many a discussion group that's out there. It's very much driven by what's I suppose uh, appetite in the group and um, I suppose first of all what we've been going through mainly has been um, on the more so the sustainable side of farming mm-hmm. so we've had different um, walks now as so an example was our first one was on a local farm actually one of the participants Rosie O'Donnell we was kindly uh, had us on her own farm and she was going through all multi-species and she was doing a bit of experimenting herself on that and mm-hmm. uh, new side of farming and it's it's just great to see all those different aspects there and uh, i suppose discuss them and the pros and cons of them and the challenges and the benefits of them as well like we could see we were there at a time in the middle of the summer time where drought was a bit of an issue and her multi-city sports at the time she had a nice level of chicory in them and they were outperforming the premier ryegrass at that time of the year so she did see a benefit there in that regard but look there's there, there was there was many positives and negatives with it too and different grazing and management systems which how, how how you graze down and the rotation then ferried versus your premier ryegrass wards so there was lots of, of, of great topics discussed uh, and threshed out and uh, very very enjoyable and that was just one of many examples And marie Ryan in fairness to her as well she we had a, a talk there at her farm too and it was very very good as well and the basics of of grass measuring and basically getting a I suppose idea of of how often you measure grass, um, the different me- methods of measuring grass, and um, just basically analysing swords for productive and non-productive, um, species. So look, lots going on. I I I could go all day in the way because could. We, so we so, we we've,
0: yeah. yeah. So the subjects really of of the the, the group. Uh really, they mirror what a normal discussion group would be, except maybe it was on forestry or something like that uh, how many how many ladies are in the group at the moment?
1: so at the moment, there's fifteen in the group okay. um so that's it this good solid group there at the mm-hmm. moment um you know we would have had i suppose at, i suppose we're at the infancy of the group as as it is so mm-hmm. people are getting to know each other um as as we go on but definitely uh, it's good like we were at solohead there again only a month or so previous and um, again a really good talk i'd really recommend it to any farmers Mm -hmm. irrespective of of what sort of system you have whether it be dry stock or dairy um, or even organics because it's all about red clover white clover and basically reducing chemical fertilizer input which is going to be important for everyone down the line irrespective of, of what type of farming you're doing and it was a Walk, I highly recommend on the, on the back of that. Um, Humphreys is doing excellent work there and mm-hmm. it's top it's notch. Um, so I suppose other than that, uh, we, we're, we're heading actually on Tuesday there to Cloncannon Biofarm. So I suppose mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes as well. It's another, there is a bit of, a, I suppose when we're, when we're going to these things, we're, we're kind of on that one line at the moment of, of looking at sustainability like canon Biofarm would be, predominantly to do organics as well so the group is just very interested in i suppose delving deeper and learning as much as they can on the specific aspects of that
0: right. well they learn quite a bit from sean up there anyway that's a certainty uh, exactly yeah. there's no doubt at all about that and now can any can is anybody listening to us this morning joe particularly ladies i mean can they now join the group at this late stage if they want to
1: yeah, look, there's still openings there, right. definitely. Okay. If anyone would like to contact me, I'm always open to, to hearing from people who are interested in getting involved.
0: OK, so if anybody is interested and you don't know, Joe, just drop into your local Chagas office here in the county and they'll set you on the right path. OK, that's the the ladies' group uh, discussion group, Joe. What about the Green shirt and what's going on across the county at the moment?
1: Yeah, so the green cert now um, is working away great. We have a distance course running in Turles, Mm -hmm. myself and John Bergen, and another education officer. And basically that course is projected to be finishing up now um, in the next month or so. So we will be um, taking applications for a new course. And applications will be opening this month in October for the, uh, the new distance course, which will be starting off in January. So... It's all go on the education side as well. As well as that, we'll have an information night on in, in December time just to give the exact breakdown of the course to students. in kind of an induction night so they have their ducks in a row and they know exactly what is expected of them and what they're signing up for when it comes to January when we throw the ball in for the new course.
0: One thing that always arises when we talk about doing a green cert and that is that a lot of farmers who join this are i won't say advanced in years but they're in their middle mid years and they might be apprehensive about going back to education is that a problem for you
1: well i suppose with the way in which this course is, is kind of outlined mm. it's 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 a distance course so the, predominantly the people who would be do, eligible to the course would have a Higher level six certificate uh, yeah. or, or greater. So, they, whether it be they've done a trade previously or they have been to college, they would probably tend to have that bit of background experience there. And mm-hmm. um, because the setting for the distance course that we do, there's a good bit of it online. So, you would want to be relatively comfortable with a, a computer. And um, so, it's, it's just that way in line. Whereas, in comparison, it's more so for the full, full time. And colleges would be more in line for maybe other people who may want more hands on, face to face, um, daily um, interaction. um where there's a farm specific on site, it can be more suitable for that type of of uh, of a, of a uh, student.
0: And the course that you have on at the moment, then that's coming to an end, was that was that well attended?
1: Yeah, so look, it was very well attended, like with a total of 55 students there uh, completing the course, we would have done uh, like I said our skills days mm-hmm. across different um, areas, like we we would have used the facilities at Gurchin, which we we're very thankful for, was great facilities there, as well as that, we were very, very lucky with local farmers, um, Lashi and David Russell there, mm-hmm. just down the road, and Turles get, let us use their facilities too, so it's all, that's all very important to have make sure the runnings of the course run smoothly because you know you need all those facilities to be able to demonstrate skills to, to, the, to the relevant standards and required standards and for students to get that practice in and to get confidence and to uh, generate improved skills for themselves so they can take them on into their, their farming careers and into their farming into the future for themselves.
0: OK, just reiterate again when you're going to have an open evening for the next course, which will be starting in the new year.
1: Yeah, so, so the important uh, thing to remember, I suppose, to take home from the green start is we're going to be having applications open in October. So really in the next week to 10 days, anyone who has been in contact with the office will be getting an email for them to apply officially for the course. So once their application is made, then, We'll be sending them out an email then as well for a start. It'll probably be the middle um, of December. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll be having a date there where we'll be doing an induction day. And again, we will give plenty of notice, a couple of weeks uh, notice of that exact time uh, for that induction day to go through exactly what is involved in the course
0: for people. Okay. well, look at Joe. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. That listeners was Joe Mahan from Chagas. Listeners, my next guest this morning is Cahill O'Donoghue and some of you may remember that I used to speak to Cahill quite a bit back six or seven years ago. But Cahill has moved on. He was, as you all know, with Chagas and he's moved away from Chagas and he is now lecturing in Galway University. And recently he brought out a report on the agri sector and in particular with regard to forestry. And how we would reach carbon neutral by 2050. Good morning, Colin. Thanks for joining us.
2: Morning, Jim. Good to be on your show.
0: Now, good to have you back on. I'd say. Look at this. This makes very interesting reading. And I'm going to let you explain to my listeners what kind of research you have been doing uh, into uh, forestry and how forestry can help us to get to a position that we will eventually be carbon neutral.
2: Thanks, Jim. Well, I, um, we, we, I was asked by, by industry uh, to draw upon some research we've been doing for about 15 years and looking at forestry to look at both what's happened up till now and to look out to the future of how, how forestry can help the country in achieving various goals. So when you look back, actually, the forestry story has been a great success story. It's been the largest land use change. As we went from one percent in 1922 to 11% today, so it's it's a it's really a big change. But in the last few years, we've seen a decline in planting, and while we have a target at the moment to plant eight thousand um, hectares per annum, last year we only planted two thousand. And and things about licences are well known, but but there 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 are wider issues. So um, we did an economic analysis of various dimensions and um, to how to achieve we need to achieve which is actually to achieve about 18 percent land cover uh, by 2050 that's what's required for the country to achieve carbon neutrality so st- sequestering as much carbon as we're emitting and the more we can se- sequester in forestry the more animals we can have and um, so it's really important um, uh, for the country um so we're at the moment we're very far behind that and um, so we were looking at as basically ways in which we can promote uh, forestry better in the future and there are various things we can do but I guess one of the big things um, that jumps out is the the value of carbon and when we fill our cars or heat our homes we're paying carbon tax and we pay carb- we pay tax on the carbon we produce but there's a value of the carbon um, in the, the carbon that's stored in trees which we don't uh, fully value so at the moment the carbon tax is 40 euro per tonne but the, the government has said that, that this will increase to 265 euro tonne by, by 2050. Um, so that's six times the current value. When you add that value to the to the value of timber in, in the trees, it radically changes the economics of, of forestry in the country. And in the report, we give some examples of different types of schemes and the way in which the current schemes could be amended um, to make it much more advantageous. And for farmers to, to plant forestry and a much better income from forestry in the future with the the price that, they, that the state places on carbon
0: so That's a, a short summary of what you've done Now I'm looking at some of the highlights that are in a press release that was sent to me. You said it earlier on, only 2,000 hectares were planted in 21. That's only yeah. 8% of the peak planting in 1995. And I know I was talking to you earlier, I planted my forestry in 1995.
2: That's right. And so um, okay, planting 25,000 hectares a year in the 90s was was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and gradually over time, that has declined. Uh, when when we decoupled um, so moving from paying for animals to, to paying for the land, there was a de- decline. And then when um, dairy, quote, dairy milk quota was abolished, there was another decline. Uh, essentially, it was a competing land use um, for for land in terms of dairy farming. So it has been a bit of a downward trajectory. And when the High Court made its decision that forestry activity planting, harvesting, cleaning, putting roads down, required an environmental impact assessment a couple of years ago, it put huge pressure on the system. Uh, just the, the administrative challenges. So the Department are working through that in terms of licensing, but the licensing is, isn't probably enough um, to make the changes. I mean, some of it would be financial, but also the way we, we, we organize ourselves. When we joined the EC back in the 70s, there was a similar decline in planting and um, the, the state radically rethought the way, uh, the way it did this. And so I, I'm suggesting that we, we do the same again and, and um, pardon the punter, a, a, a a root and branch um, change in the way the way we do things. Uh, maybe, for example, engaging with, with dairy co-ops, um, with schemes around uh, carbon neutral dairy um, expansion. One of the numbers we have in the report is that if we had met the forestry targets that we had set ourselves um, around the food harvest 2020 strategy, in the same way as we applied ourselves to beach and, and dairy which met their targets, we would actually have sequester as much carbon um as we had we, we as we'd increased emissions from the extra animals in the country. So we could have had carbon neutral dairy expansion already if if we'd done that. Now it's never too too late to start. But um I think we're probably reaching the end of the road of the current strategy. We've we've probably done as much as we can with with the the current tools and we need to think again um to how we to get it back up above ten thousand hectares a year of planting
0: and you speak a lot in the report about delaying planting uh now and that it will have a major impact on us trying to reach uh the capacity uh, in in twenty fifty
2: that's right uh so trees take about well for sitka it's about forty years to reach maturity it's longer for for deciduous trees. So um, it's not storing the, the maximum amount of carbon for, for quite a while. It's, it's not reducing, re- reaching its potential in terms of timber either. So even if you plant now, it's, the trees still won't be at maturity in 2050. And that's the target date that the state has set itself for for carbon neutrality. So the the later you put it out, the further you're going to wave, be away from that target, which means that if the, the state wants to do that, they'll have to find other ways Um, to deliver the carbon neutrality and there are only so many options so it would be a concern for the agricultural sector in terms of the number of of animals um, given that there's already Mm. very high high targets. so the more we can do with forestry essentially it's it's complementary to agriculture the more the more animals we can have in the country.
0: Can I ask you then forestry apart from having a bad name in certain circles uh, but One thing happened in the last number of years that maybe took a little bit of confidence away from farmers with regard to planting trees, and that was the effect of ash dieback.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, clearly that has been a serious problem for the country. Uh, Ash at home, and uh, I mean, it's a real shame. There there are beautiful trees, and um, farmers and landowners that that had planted um will have uh, immediate costs, so I know the industry are pushing uh, very strongly um that there will be an appropriate um compensation scheme uh for farmers to cover those costs because when you're when you're trying to to mot- motivate people to make a change and and you know moving from from farming some of your land to putting forestry on it is a big change. We need to give um, people confidence in the future that if things go wrong they won't have they won't be carrying the cost. So, I think there 's a bit of work to do there um to assure farmers and landowners that they 'll be protected if if things happen and and particularly over such a long long term uh, growth cycle as, as as trees have
0: now you know from your previous uh, employment that there 's a lot of land in Ireland that uh, basically isn 't really commercially viable as far as uh, conventional farming is concerned, but it could be very. Uh, viable if we uh, planted it
2: that's right so uh, about 80 percent of, of cattle rearing farms in the country over the longer term would be would be better off um, um translating some of their land from from cattle into forestry and the, re- the returns are higher but also that they're they're getting higher year on-year and um, mm-hmm. so they're increasing at a faster rate than than cattle prices are going up and cattle incomes are going up So it is a it is good financially in in the long run, I guess um, in order to to motivate farmers, it's about giving them confidence and also maybe giving some of the income earlier in uh, in their lives rather than waiting for for the harvest. And there's different ways you can do that. And then lastly, something that's of great concern for farmers is currently the replanting obligation Mm -hmm. that if you plant uh, forests, when you harvest, you must replant. And farmers, particularly with smaller farms we, we see in the data, um, are, are essentially co- concerned about committing future generations um, to, to um, I guess, to move that land away from agriculture. So I have some suggestions in the report about how you can use the carbon value and a potential carbon scheme to eliminate that um, obligation um, and to rely on I guess um, just proper behaviour incentives. People have the the, the 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 choice to 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 not to replant, um, but the likelihood is, and we see that, that if people plant, they're they're very likely to uh, replant um, after after they ha- they harvest. And then the last thing is a lot of concern about about Sitka in some in some quarters. It's 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 fast growing and realises an realize income earlier, and it's good for carbon, um, but. Increasingly, um, we see higher rates of planting for for broadleaf trees, for deciduous trees, which are good for biodiversity and and recreation, but they take a bit longer to grow. So again, we probably need to rethink the species mix um, in in the country as as we go forward and planting the appropriate trees for the environment and also appropriate to to what people want in, in, in the locality. So there's a bit more work to do on maybe nuancing it to make it easier for farmers and landowners to make that decision and to have more confidence in the future.
0: Okay. Lastly, uh, to you, and thank you ever so much for joining us, where can people get sight of this report, Cahill?
2: Oh, I wish I... I, It's online. Find it on on Google.
0: Okay. Well, look at Cahill, thanks very much for joining us this morning. That listener was Professor Cahill O'Donoghue talking about his recent report on uh, forestry and planting trees in ireland listeners my next guest this morning is alan moore from hedgerows ireland Uh, i happened to meet alan earlier during the summer and i thought he would be a very very good subject for ag report on tip fm good morning alan and thanks very much for joining us
3: good morning jim and thanks for having me on that's
0: great alan before we get into the meat of this interview. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, please?
3: Jim, I have a farming background myself. I'm originally from uh, Lucan in County Dublin. I grew up on a dairy farm and although my career has been in medicine, I was a general practitioner in Hathai in County Kildare and then a psychiatrist in the UK and New Zealand and then uh, finally in Clonmel. I've always had a keen understanding of the role of the environment in health mental and indeed physical health so that in my subsequent um, life that we talked about when we met up in, in nina jim yeah i've been involved in a group called hedgerows ireland as you say which is a tipperary based group uh, that came about in response to the removal of kilometers of hedgerow along the railway line between uh, limerick junction and waterford and Our group got very concerned that Irish Rail were taking out a lot of hedgerows. Uh, They explained to us that this was essentially to save money, that in replacing fencing, they had decided to remove the entire hedgerow alongside the old fence and didn't see why they needed to retain the existing hedgerow. So in the course of our campaigning, and we became very active as a group on that matter, we made some discoveries, Jim, and those discoveries included, number one, how vitally important hedgerows are in our countryside and number two how poorly protected they are under current regulations and so forth so jim when we expanded our work to look at the national situation when we discovered that there was no body representing hedgerows whatsoever we then took on the the bigger challenges of representing hedgerows at a country wide level. Earlier this year, when Jackie Cattle invited us to the Joint Agriculture Committee in the Oireachtas, we explained to the collected TDs that hedgerows are incredibly important in the Irish countryside because, effectively, we don't have native woodlands, very, very small amount. So, that hedgerows play an even more important role in protecting biodiversity, including vital pollinating insects, a whole most of our native songbirds, a lot of mammals and so forth. But in addition to that, the the impact on soil protection, flood reduction, drought reduction, shelter, shade, landscape definition and most topically of all, carbon storage. Jim, hedgerows store an enormous amount of carbon. and, And this is, as we all know, incredibly topical at the moment. And the great thing is that hedgerows are a permanent landscape feature. So unlike grassland, which is also very topical for carbon, hedgerows aren't uh, removed uh, or hopefully are not removed so that they remain in place, storing huge amounts of carbon. So for all those reasons, hedgerows are important. But we had to tell the Dahl committee that despite all these benefits, depending on who you listen to, Mm -hmm. upwards of Two to six thousand kilometres of hedgerows are still being removed every year, which is a pretty extraordinary figure. I think you and your listeners would agree. Jim, that point was illustrated very vividly to me to me as recently as yesterday, when members of our group called me to a location where I went along with my uh, younger daughter Holly, who's just packing up to go to New York on a J1 visa. And we went to this location and witnessed heavy machinery removing, apparently, all the internal hedgerows on a a farm, knocking what looks like about six pretty large fields of about 20 acres into one large field that will probably be about 80 or 100 acres in size. So, Jim, my daughter, who is listening to the news like everybody else, asked me the very reasonable question, is that good farming. And I said to her, look, Holly, there may well be some short term benefits in terms of a larger field with, uh, you know, machinery moving more quickly and, you know, some short term mm-hmm. improvement in, in the bottom line productivity. But the longer term effects of removing hedgerows, as we've just said, are really serious. And, you know, this really doesn't represent good practice. In our view, and I think in the view of most farmers, uh, you know, we have a lot of support from farmers. We have a number of them on our committee and there's a growing sense of frustration that ongoing hedgerow removal is wrong. It doesn't make sense. And you know the the departments and the authorities are really behind in current thinking in terms of valuing their importance. So that's a long answer to your question, Jim, but I oh, hope it covers some ground.
0: It sure does, and it covers a lot of ground, Alan, to be honest with you. We know there are problems, so, and you are trying to solve the problems. So can you just give me some of the problems you're trying to solve? Well, I suppose one of the
3: problems that we're trying to solve is that farmers get better payment for good quality hedgerows, mm-hmm. and our our group was very energetic um, in the last six months in the run up to the uh, sign off of the new cap, in trying to ensure that payments were given not just for planting new hedgerows, which is fantastic and you know to be encouraged, but for valuing in financial terms the existing six hundred and eighty thousand kilometres of hedgerows that remain. So our aim is to continue to lobby the department and and all concerned to try to improve the cap schemes both the pillar one and pillar two now uh, it, it, it's probably too late for the current round and you know we're bitterly disappointed that our lobbying and representations were not listened to but in particular in the new acres scheme which as you know is, is being wheeled out at the moment we are still very much to the fore in trying to improve the um, the schemes not just for as i say hedge planting but for rewarding hedgerow quality because one of the issues jim is that while we have a lot of hedgerows left in the country maybe less than a third are in anything like good condition and i'm sure people will you know, will know that from looking at you know poor quality hedges are, are quite a big issue that mm-hmm. they're gappy and they're perhaps you know, not well maintained. We want payment for good quality hedgerows so that farmers are rewarded for doing the right thing. The, the, the next aim we have, Jim, just under the heading of, of what we're trying to do, yeah. is, is, is to, we're working with Catherine Keena, the excellent uh, Chagask uh, manager, to promote good hedgerow practice in, in terms of, uh, you know, cutting regimes and uh, new planting with, uh, native species, and so on and so forth. And you, you met us at uh, the North Tip Agricultural Show. We've been doing the round of different shows. We've recently formed a relationship with Girteen Agricultural College, where we will be encouraged to take part in teaching modules on hedgerows. So as you can tell, we have quite an ambitious agenda. Um, and, and we're expanding, we are, uh, you know, we now have a website, we're getting active on social media, and we've had an enormous amount of support since we kind of went onto the airwaves and became more visible in recent months. And uh, we, we have a very big post bag from people who want to join us, who want to support us. Could I say to you, Jim, just on that point, that if people want to, um, you know, people are often asking us, what can we do I suppose on the issue that I've just mentioned, the very live issue locally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we think ringing Tip FM, local elected reps, Jackie Cahill, Minister for Agriculture, that actually makes a difference. Um, and I would encourage people to 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 do that, but also to look at our website, which is hedgerowsireland.org, dot org, where you'll find an email address and you can send us a, a message of support. G- generally speaking, Jim, we are encouraging people to. It'll come forward and express support for something that is really important and up to now has been neglected. A lot of things in life we take for granted. And I think that hedgerows definitely come under that heading. But that's changing, I'm glad to say.
0: OK, just one last question and then you can give me contact details so that people can make contact with you and, and join your organisation. What's the future for hedgerows, Ireland?
3: Good question. We're about to have um somewhat. Oh, we've had such a busy summer that uh, getting together as a group has been a bit delayed. We we have to decide about whether we expand to include formal membership and join the Irish Environmental Network uh, as a formal mm-hmm. grouping. Uh, and I think we probably will do that in time. For the moment, we are closely linked with the uh, PPN, the Public Participation Network. We're in the environmental pillar, which for those people who don't know, is an incredibly important national organization that uh, again makes a difference at a national level. So our group is almost certainly going to expand and and take on formal membership. And as I say, we are continuing to make links with all the relevant people. Like we've established very strong and positive links with the likes of the uh, ICMSA, the ICSA, Uh, We've met with the IFA, we're we're linked, as I said earlier, with Chogusk. Our great strength, Jim, is that we are networkers and we are uh, relationship builders. We very much favor the carrot rather than the stick in terms of hedgerows because we know that most farmers um, are trying to do the right thing. They want to do the right thing. But as I mentioned earlier, there's a growing frustration with those who are going in the opposite direction but we think that positive encouragement (laughs) rather than waving the Mm -hmm. stick is the most important way to solve our problem other countries jim look at our hedgerow network with with envy and and they can't quite understand why we are so neglectful you may recall that after the war in the united kingdom there was an enormous uh, rush to remove all oh, the hedgerows, about half of the hedgerows in England were taken out. They stopped that in 1997 when they, they, they passed some regulation to, to make it much more difficult. And and they're busy replanting as hard as they can. We're unfortunately a bit behind the curve. And our mission in Hedgerows, Ireland is to, to close that gap and uh, to catch up quickly, because at the moment we have so much left but we just want to make sure we don't lose any more. Any
0: more. OK, how does somebody contact you, Alan?
3: Google up HedgerowsIreland.org. That's the simplest. HedgerowsIreland.org. And you will find your uh, our website. And there is an email address there, uh, which if I may pass on to you, Jim, to put up on Tip FM so that people, if they miss that, mm-hmm. can do so. Um, it is uh, very easy to find us And if you email us on that, we'll return your email and we'll add you to a list. And if you can give any comments about hedgerow issues, hedgerow removal, uh, things that are of interest to you in terms of hedgerow planting. uh, We have amongst our uh, group some hedgerow experts who have a lot of wisdom to dispense. So go on to Google hedgerowsireland.org. That's the quickest way to find us. And we look forward to hearing from you.
0: OK, Alan, we'll leave it at that. I want to thank you ever so much for joining us this morning. That, listeners, was Alan Moore from Hedgerows, Ireland.
3: Jim, info at hedgerowsireland.org is our email. If you want to just go straight to emailing, it's info at hedgerowsireland.org.
0: In Holy Cross, I caught up with Shane Carney, and Shane has a company called Away With Nature. That's spelled A W A Y with nature. And he has a whole lot of products here in a beautiful stand in Holy Cross. And uh, I'm at a loss to know what they all are. Shane, would you tell me how all this started? I will indeed. So the
4: company started uh, by my partner Fiona and my daughter Aoife. Um, Just Fiona's love of uh, all natural products. And it was really, you know, it's a way with nature's uh, story came from. And she started off making a facial oil herself, learned how to formulate. Um, went back to school basically and educated herself. And uh, from there, you know, that, that was uh, received very well by friends and family and tried to grow the products from there. So we now stock the facial oils and we have a body oil to complement that. And then branched out into candles and wax mills. Um, she also makes soaps, lip balms, some hand butters. And we do also stock some other products from some other very uh, excellent Irish companies such as Yanni Bears, Faith Soaps, and Ingadi, who 3D print uh, fully uh, biodegradable. Uh, products as well and um, some of the newer products that we have are the muscle oils and uh, we have essential oils and we also have roller blends as well from zen sleep tight and also inhale to all part of your 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 sleeping um, routine to help you get a good nice and restful night's sleep
0: i heard you talking to a customer before i got a chance to interview you and you said that there is no chemical in anything that you make it
4: correct everything is all natural all naturally sourced product. It's sourced as local as we can to home. Um, a lot of it is through a companies within Ireland. Um, all the products are all handcrafted at home in our kitchen by Fiona. So very creative um, talent there and ably abetted by your 11-year-old uh, daughter, Eva. Yeah,
0: wh- Whom you have with you here, I see. Yeah, she ran yeah. away from the interview, though. She, right, wasn't, right. she wasn't going to be part of it. Okay. And you also have teas here.
4: yes. So the teas we have here, these are all herbal teas. Yeah. So again, it's all people moving away from the the, the, the processed um, mm, yeah. uh, um, processed food that you can buy and purchase and very much going back to the natural products. So this health tea is a lady in Calvin blends it. So she has quite a range of teas that she actually makes. And we grow, and this is our Positivity, this is our own brand. So we grow some of the ingredients and we send it up to the lady. She blends it with some of her own. And now we have our own own brand health tea called Positivity. It's all available on the website. Or here at this amazing market.
0: Oh, you have a website as well? We have, so... Oh, 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 okay. How long have you been coming here? So,
4: this is our first year in Holy Cross. The business is only going about seven or eight months. It's all very new to us. Big learning curve and my, uh, yeah. my natural calling wouldn't have been skincare <laughs> myself. <laughs> so um, I've had a steep learning curve as well. So Fiona's had a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work <laughs> to get me up to speed. But, you know, I,
0: it's enjoyable. Skincare care wouldn't be natural with me either. <laughs> yeah. uh, Shane, I we can, both have a face for radio, I, I, I think. I, I think yeah, <laughs> uh, something like that, definitely not. Where else then, apart from coming to Holy Cross, uh, do you sell so uh, yeah,
4: so we can we do a lot of local markets. So we were in Tipperary Town yesterday, and um, we were in um, we were in Mountain View in Kilkenny, and we were also in Thurles. So a new market that started up in Thurles last weekend, uh, very good, very positive vibes around there. You know it's great, and the same in Tipperary Town was their first market was yesterday as well. So a lot of good markets going on, you know, local produce yeah. in and around the Tipperary area, and um, we also sell um, online. So waveatnature.com. We have an Instagram page, we have a nature underscore, and we have a Facebook page as well, Away with nature. Um, so any any queries or any products you'd like to buy, we can also help you out there online. We're not just a, a market company.
0: Okay, I'm catching up here uh, one of your products. Yes. It's a ba- baby oil. That's okay. a body oil. Bo- sorry, body. Uh, I'm going blind in my old age. It's body oil. Yeah. How long did it take to bring it from, from so, the inception to... Yeah. So the the, the, the first Holy product, Cross.
4: yeah. The first product that was made actually was what you see beside it here, right. is the facial
0: oil. Okay. Yeah. So if you want uh, so to take the facial oil, line, so. line, yeah. how long? How much work went into so, developing it? That's so, really what I'm trying to get. at So the product itself, just months
4: of fine tuning, understanding. Yeah. Behind that, there's there's a lot of time of understanding how to formulate. You know how to get the education. There's a dermatological yeah. uh, slope on it as well, where you need to make sure that it's safe for people's skin our, our uh, eldest daughter Megan is a beautician and was very helpful in that side of things oh, right, right. and I can't leave Alex out, her son as well the, the middle child, they'll have middle child syndrome so oh, right. that's the full house then that's been mentioned right. um, but the facial oil uh, was the first loaf so Fiona had very sensitive skin so a lot of frustration from buying, say, products yeah. store-bought products and wasn't getting the results she needed so it was um, it was through that she learned to formulate, made the facial oil friends and family, uh, caught on to it and said, you know, you have a business here, would you like to expand it? So there's a good few months to get it from, you know, from inception to... Products you can sell on market because you know you have to look at your market as well, you have yeah. to understand the quantities, even down to the labeling, it all takes a lot of hard work and
0: research. You know, it is what you see here is the end products. Yeah.
4: That, that, that's what I'm trying yeah. to get
0: at. You know, I talk to an awful lot of foodies, I talk to an awful lot of people like yourself, yeah, uh, who uh, start up new businesses. And uh, you know, some, some, some of them fall by the wayside, more of them don't, but it's the process to get to. The market is is always difficult
4: it is it is there's a lot of months of hard graft late nights of fiona you know understanding what the market needs as well so if you don't if you don't understand your market you're not going to have a product that's going to be successful so you constantly try and reinvent yourself so you listen to your customers you know i'd have taken notes here today where customers have suggestions and they can be the nuggets because they're your market so they're telling you what they want so you listen to your customer and that then you know, you develop the products that you have. What's not selling well may may not be carried on, and then you know
0: stuff that is selling well. You try and build on that and move to the next level. Having developed the oil, the scent. Yeah. What do you do to get the scent in that it's something that uh, the customer will like? Yes.
4: So there is. Uh, so it's customer feedback as well. Yeah. So and what Fiona's own personal yeah. likes as well. Um, what we do to get to sentin, I can't tell you that. <laughs> I'm giving <laughs> away no trade secrets. That's a trade secret. And even, and even I don't understand the formulation, so I probably <laughs> couldn't tell you anyway. But um, no, it's, it's all market research. You know, you need to yeah. understand your customer base, and there's an awful lot of trial and error. An awful yeah. lot. You know, you got to be willing to be in it for the long haul. It's not if it was an easy game, everyone would do it. You know, so it's a, it's a lot of credit to, to Fiona to, to get this to where it is. Like you know, I've the easy part to sell it. A good product is easy to sell.
0: You know. Yeah, well, it's often the hardest part of it when you start off trying to do the selling well, to convince the, uh, a customer that but, this is what they should be using exactly. exactly a, yeah. one final question to you uh, Are these none of these products are medical so in other words no. if, if I had acne or one of these things on my face uh, they they really wouldn't so be they're any n- good they're, to me they're not medical but
4: yeah. uh, some of the facial eyes and the body oils will actually help with some dermatological issues so that's why we made sure we formulate on that, but they're not, you know, we do not sell a medical product. Butter, yeah. They are skin care products, Butter, yeah. but in skincare itself, it can help the likes of eczema depending uh, I, I, on the product and,
0: and of course the oil will help anybody especially. correct
4: it's there's nourishment there's, there's yeah, moisturization yeah. Products yeah, and, yeah, correct you know the properties that are in that would help the skin yeah and uh, to recover or or you know, improve its
0: its, um, its quality if you want i see the sales assistant here is working yes. very hard so this is Eva. she has Eva. joined us hello Aoife, hello, hello, Eva. hello Eva. i see you are very busy here she's a oh, sales okay. assistant and she's sales very a much the manufacturer as well so oh, she yes, helps so. mammy so okay anybody listening to us this morning and they don't come to taudy cross uh, how can they make contact with you and see all your
4: product so com. the website everything is available on there and um, we do we do ship and um, uh, Instagram then is awaywithnature a underscore ie and a Facebook page awaywithnature so 20 of those platforms you can get in contact send us a DM and uh, we can get back to you and
0: help you out with your queries okay look at Shane thanks for giving me some of your time here when you're trying to make a bob or two and all the cross. <laughs> that listeners was Shane from Away With Nature and he's has given you the uh, website. So if you are interested in using natural products made locally, sourced locally, why not give uh, Shane and uh, Away With Nature a turn at least. A turn. <laughs> we take that, yeah. Thanks very much. OK, thanks very Thank much, you. Shane. Before I sign off this morning, just to say to your listeners that Shane will be at the village... Market in Holy Cross this afternoon between 1 and 3. That, listeners, is Agriport for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me at the same time next week. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock. And after that, Eamon The Wire presents Down Your Way.